Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke and actually uh, picking up on a scene from yesterday where Jesus was baptized and entered into our sin in baptism. And we're going to see the follow-up to that where Jesus goes into the wilderness and faces all the temptations that we do, but with a different outcome. So we are in the beginning of Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, where we read this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and, and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to guard, to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't hurt your foot, even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, one of the things that I immediately uh, take notice of in this passage is is how the devil uses the scripture just as much as Jesus. They just use it to different ends. And, and just being embedded in scripture by itself is, is no guarantee of, of faithfulness. We can be very clever devils, as uh, C.S. Lewis said. Um, and speaking of that, uh, there's a, a, an objection that is often raised here because um, Jesus is facing all the temptations that we do yet without sin, like it says in Hebrews 4.15. But some people object that you know, for Jesus, it's easy. He's like, he's like Superman and he didn't, you know, he didn't fall to sin. So he really doesn't understand the power of sin. This is just too easy for him. Uh, and and C.S. Lewis had this great thought experiment. He said, he asked this question, like who understood the power of the German Wehrmacht, the war machine better? Was it the French who were, uh, who were um, defeated in under two months or would it be the British who withstood the Battle of Britain and held out to the end and having resisted, continued to fight until D-Day or until uh, V-Day rather. And his, his point was that it wasn't the French who understood the full power because they surrendered before they experienced the full power of the war machine. It was more the British who experienced it because they didn't surrender. And so they suffered its full force and then pushed back. And in a similar way, he says that it's actually none of us who understand the power of sin and temptation at all, because we all cave. We all give in. We never have to face its full power because it requires much, much less than that for us to succumb. Whereas Jesus, on the other hand, faces its full power and resists. And so Jesus alone actually understands the full power of sin. Jesus understands the temptation of sin even more than we do. Um, there are these uh, historical categories of sin. Uh, we get a, 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 an outlaying of this in 1 John uh, 2.16, where it says, uh, it categorizes them as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And this category, these categories actually lay over Jesus's temptations very well. And interestingly enough, 
over the temptations to Adam and Eve in the garden very well. For Adam and Eve, the lust of the flesh is that they saw that the fruit was good to eat. The lust of the eyes was that it was pleasing to the eyes, literally says that. And then the boastful pride of life is that they saw or they knew that it would make them like God. And so they experienced all these categories of temptation. Jesus faces these same temptations, but overcomes them. Lust of the flesh is that, you know, make the stones into bread, satisfy your hunger. Lust of the eyes, he was shown all the kingdoms of the world and that these could be given to him. And then the boastful pride of life, if he were to cast himself down from the top of the temple, people would know who he was and 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 give him honor and glory and, and all of that. And of course, another level to these temptations is that they're all ways to achieve Jesus's messianic hope without having to suffer the cross. It's, it's basically the path of uh, blessing without suffering, or at least it pretends to be that. And of course, God leads Jesus into suffering. It's the spirit led him into the wilderness in order to be tempted. We often have that assumption that God won't lead us somewhere that's going to be uh, hurtful or challenging to us. And yet it's precisely the opposite. And we should expect that if we're following the path of Jesus, we might be led into difficult places as well. Uh, one last point is that uh, Jesus here, it says, was uh, was hungry, which is probably a huge understatement after having fasted for 40 days. And a lot of people think that he must have been uh, very weak and, and at a vulnerable moment at this point uh, facing sin. And while he was certainly physically weak in this moment, I actually think spiritually he was at his strongest. The ability to say no to things is often not given a lot of exercise in our in our lifestyles. We have so many conveniences. But uh, fasting is a way to exercise that no muscle so that actually we're even, I think, better able to say no to the temptations that come our way. I, that's been my experience with the practice of fasting. And I believe that that was uh, a huge part of the intent of fasting in the ancient period as well. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage and about Jesus facing the temptations that uh, we all face. Well, you know, this is a very, very familiar passage. And uh, and so we preached, you and I each have preached so many sermons on this. and. Um, and so it's just as I'm trying to look at it with fresh eyes today, I think, okay, well, what do I see here that I think is important? Uh, I think, you know, you've already brought up so many good things. I think the, um, you know, we, we brought up before, uh, maybe I want to expand a little bit on, on the fact that it's sort of a funny thing if you, you know, you, if you think about it this way, that here he's just heard, maybe he just was baptized and heard his voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love in him. I am well pleased. Uh, and so like, there's this incredible affirmation. And then it tells us here in the very beginning of chapter four that you read for us, then Jesus full of the Holy spirit returned from the Jordan river. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And you think, oh my goodness, well, that was a big mistake. <laughs> the spirit apparently led him wrong. Uh, actually, Matthew is even more explicit as he explains this exact same story. He says, uh, Jesus was led into the desert in order to be tempted by the devil. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, th like that, that was the purpose of it. Uh, and you kind of think, well, why would God ever do that? And I think there's really a couple of reasons. I remember when I was a kid, I had horrible allergies to everything. I had been hospitalized a whole bunch of times as a young person for very extended periods because I would have these life-threatening asthma attacks. Uh, and so for most of, in fact, all of my childhood up until I was 18, uh, I twice a week would have to go in the doctor's office and get shots. Uh, but the shots weren't to protect me from the things that were I was allergic to. They were actually 
little bits of what I was allergic to. And over time, they would just keep increasing the amount that they would give me. And I would slowly develop the ability, my body developed the ability to fight that off. And, and I think that maybe that's the, sort of the, the right way to think about this, that, that uh, because the spirit knows what Jesus is going to have to face later, like, okay, we've got to start now, as you mentioned earlier, building those muscles for resisting the devil and starting to recognize his temptations, doing it now when it's relatively easier. Uh, because later on, you know, when, when you're facing the specter of a cross, it's going to become a lot harder right then, right? The consequences are going to feel a lot more dire. Uh, and so in that moment, we want you to be strong enough. And so we're going to start giving these little doses now. Uh, and, and I think uh, another way of thinking about this, right, because we think, well, why would God allow this kind of thing? You know, why would the Father allow this to, to Jesus if he loves his son so much? Uh, and, and I think that, you know, another way of thinking about this is there's some tests, you know, what I think so oftentimes in my anxiety when I think, oh, I've got a big test coming up. My, my fear is, oh, I'm going to fail. I might fail. You know, this is going to make me fail. It's going to trip me up. Uh, but I think most teachers would agree that when they're doing a test, they're not trying to trip up their kids, all right? And teachers who are watching this can maybe comment if you think I got it wrong, but, uh, or maybe really you got to go in prayer if I got this wrong. Uh, because the teachers, don't, it's not that they want the kids to fail. No, they want the kids to succeed. They want to give the test that allows the kid to show, look how I have grown. Look how, look at what I have, you know, mastered. And, and in fact, it can be a great encouragement to a kid who thinks, oh, I was really struggling with this kind of problem back, you know, a month ago. I took that test today and I aced it. Man, I've come so far. And it can really build confidence. Uh, and so I think understanding that both of those things are going on here. But then verse 13, I think is interesting. Uh, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. And in the way the NIV translates it is, is something like he left him until an opportune time or, or like a, you know, a better moment came, something like this. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I think of that time right after, uh, you know, um, Peter has just, you know, confessed, you know, who Jesus says, who do you say I am? Well, you're the Messiah. And Jesus starts telling them, Hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get crucified, right? I'm going to get tried and, and convicted and they're going to kill me. And, uh, and Peter says, never, this shall never happen to you. Right? You shall never have to face that. And of course, what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. I know this line. Right Right now you're using Peter to say it to me, but I know this line. I, I remember this from that time I met you in the wilderness. Anyway, uh, final point I want to make, and it's just what's really stuck out to me today as you were reading, John. Um, the uh, the second temptation uh, was, said um, he took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And, and I, I think two points in this. First, that uh, Jesus doesn't argue, well, hold on, it's not yours. No, no, no. For now, the world, the kingdoms of the world, the systems of the world, yeah, the truth is they're actually under the control of the evil one. Uh, and and that's why we see so much of the brokenness we see in the world today. Uh, and so then with the kingdom of God coming, right, it's displacing the kingdom of Satan. But but the other point is, you can imagine if, if he's got control over all the, all the world, all the systems, all the governments, all the cultures, all the economies. He's got the devil's control of all of it. 
And, and he says to Jesus, hey, I'll give it to you if you just worship me. And, and of course, Jesus, you know, says, no, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And yet I think how many Christians have heard the similar temptation and said, yeah, that sounds like a really good deal. And, and we've been willing to compromise what God called us to do in order to win worldly approval, worldly authority. I want to move up in my firm or my company. I, I want to get the degree. I want to, you know, get tenure. You know what? I'm, I'm willing to play the game. It's it's because, no, no, it, I'm, it's, it's not, I'm not compromising. I'm being strategic. I'm trying to move up so I'll have influence. But of course, by the time I get to that place, I'll have so compromised my integrity that I won't have that influence anyway. All right? I'll, I'll, I will end up being the one who is neutered uh, and neutralized. And so I think that's what the, the the temptation that so many of us who are people, I think, you know, the kind of people who listen to this tend to be people who have a disproportionate access to privilege and power, uh, authority, you know, position. And I think we've all got to be really mindful. What am I willing to compromise so that I can move up, so that I can do good for the kingdom one day? But what am I having to worship? Who am I having to obey in order to get there? And, and if I get it that way, have I really have I really done God's work at all? Uh, and so it's not just doing God's work; it's doing God's work God's way. That's really the the, the, the key to the kingdom. So anyway, those are just a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I had a friend who used to say, uh, "Give the devil his due, for he's in the world too." Which you know, just it's it. When you're starting off from a place of compromise. Why would you have hope that you're going to remain? Uh, something you know worthwhile at the end that you have something worthwhile to give when when your first step is already one of compromise. That's right. That's right. Well, John, would you go and close us in prayer today? Uh, yes, I will. Our good and gracious God, we are in the world and the world is complicated. We thank you that you came into the world, that your kingdom has invaded to begin to change things. Lord, help us, help us to follow in your path. Lord, we thank you for entering into our world and making it possible to follow you faithfully. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and all that he does and continues to do through the Spirit. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're glad you joined us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.